All right. Well, it is a blessing. Thank you, Pastor, for this chance. It is a little bit nervous. I haven't preached in a few months, but it's a, it's a blessing to be up here, to be in church, uh, to be back home for just a little bit, and uh, just thankful for what God has done uh, the last couple months as uh, he has redirected our, uh, our vision. He's re- redirected our goal. And uh, as we move, we're moving into the city called Bacolod. And uh, those that weren't here a few weeks ago, Bacolod is just a city that's just south of where we're living in. And uh, so it's not too far of a move. It's about a 25, 30-minute drive into the city. But we're moving right into the heart of the city of Bacolod. And uh, God, is, uh, God has opened the doors many different ways, just different outreach opportunities we, that we have there. And uh, especially as we look, as we're moving, uh, God had opened the door for a house for us um, that was large enough to be able to start a church in. Uh, large meeting room uh, right in the in the living room area, and so we're hopefully uh, hopefully as we get back. And uh, I got word today that the house is still available. There was a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, a little bit of hiccups that we ran into trying to secure that pretty fast before we got here. Um, but hopefully, as we get back, that uh, God will provide the, the funds for that. And as we've kind of been saving uh, saving up to be able to move into that house, and so we're hopefully that we can get in that house. As soon as we get back, we should be arriving. We leave Friday, early Friday morning, and we should be arriving in the Philippines there Saturday afternoon. So it'll be Friday, uh, very late Friday evening here. And so we have a direct flight straight to the Philippines. So be in prayer for the boys and for my wife. It's about a 19-hour flight um, once we leave New York City straight to Manila. And then we have about an hour flight south down to, uh, down to where we live in Bacold. And so... It'll be a long, a long travel day, but uh, we've done it before, and we're just hoping that God will keep us healthy, he'll keep us safe, but uh, as we get back to this city and as we start to, to move in and just to look at different opportunities that we have, there's a major, major need for the gospel there. There are several different churches that we got to visit in the area, but in the area specific where we are, uh, there's only one other gospel preaching church that I, I, that I know of. There may be a few more smaller churches, but... Uh, as far as I know, the city is about six to 700,000 people, and uh, there's, a, there's a very large need for the gospel there. And the, mo- many of you may not know that uh, the Philippines is 80% Catholic. And so uh, just that alone, um, even though that there are churches, you hear of uh, things going on through the last couple decades of going on in the Philippines, it still has not been enough to reach that country with the gospel. And so there's still a, lot of ba- a major, major need for the gospel there. And uh, we're just thankful that God has laid on our hearts to move into that city and to be able to start uh, start a work there. And so we're just hopefully, uh, hopefully God will, God will be able to move as soon as we get back there. There's some different diff- different resources that we have. Uh, Pastor talked about they're doing the gospel film or the, the redoing hope film in India, and uh, that'll be a major. And we're trying to I've been thinking about it, trying to get that translated into the local dialect there um, in in Bacold. It'll be a major need, especially with the how much drunkenness there is with the men and uh, just the alcohol. And, uh, and so it'll be, a, it'll be a major tool to be able to help reach that area as well. And so I know Pastor uh, is planning on coming in, in just a few months, I believe in, in May. And uh, we're, we're, we were talking about just some d- different things about trying to get that, that gospel film or that Redeeming Hope film out, especially in our area. So uh, just be in prayer, be in prayer for us as uh, I'm very nervous, very nerve-wracking, just going off and, and starting by ourselves, but we're hopefully that God will provide a way and that he'll lead us to some people very soon uh, that we can trust and that we can get 
uh, this church planted, and so we don't really have a timeline, uh, but we're just thankful that we got to be back just this short little time just to refresh, and especially being here during the Jubilee, those services uh, were a blessing. Every single one of those messages uh, just reaffirmed everything that I believe, everything that we, we are doing, and uh, it just reignited a fire in us just to get back and just to be excited for what God is doing and what he can do. And so, but uh, just thankful, again, just thankful for your many prayers, uh, many of you for your support, many of you support us individually, and we're very thankful uh, for the sacrifice that you give uh, for us to be able to go out. You entrust us with uh, the ministry and with the gospel and going uh, to the other side of the world completely, the complete other side of the world. And so uh, we're very thankful for God's call in our life and very thankful that we get to be here and update you with. But uh, tonight, if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. I was sitting here Sunday morning in the services and uh, I was preparing a, a complete new message uh, that God had laid in my heart several weeks ago. I started putting that together, sitting, sitting here Sunday morning, and uh, just after the songs and after uh, Brother Leto's message about the lifter of my hand, uh, God redirected my thoughts, and he, uh, he put this thought that had been in my heart. I came up, I had this thought last year, and I used this, this theme as a, uh, as a series of lessons that I was able to teach uh, the teens while we were over in the ministry there in the Philippines for this last year. Um, but as I started looking at this last, just these last couple days, and just uh, looking at what, what this, this verse means, I'm going to use one little verse here, uh, right here in the middle of this chapter, and I kind of just springboard off of, of what God's been doing in my heart the last few days. And hopefully, uh, especially the, the special music tonight, as you'll see in just a minute, just what God, how God decides to line things up and he decides to move things in a specific way to prepare. And hopefully, hopefully he'll do that tonight. But if you want to stand with me, we're going to read Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse number 28. And then we'll see how far I might read to the end of the chapter here. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, we, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, when he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Then he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for it all, how shall he not with them also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, ye rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And I'll read uh, verse 35 and 39 in just a little bit, but looking back to verse 31, just looking at that question that the Bible leaves us here, that Paul leaves us here, he says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And as we look at that question, and as we look at the theme tonight, the title of my message is, God is for you. God is for you. And you look at what this question is asking, and you see where it starts with in talking about the purpose of the gospel and what it does in our life and what God is here for us. He's saying, what, what do all these things, what are they for? And how, if God is for us, 
Who can really be against us? No matter what is against us in this world, no matter what we face, knowing that there is a God for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord, and what it means to us and what it means for us, Lord. And as we look at who you are for us, Lord, knowing that you are for us, no matter what's against us, no matter who comes against us, Lord, to know that you're for us, you're in every single day of our life, Lord, of us as a believer, Lord, for us to truly getting to know you and what you can do in our lives, Lord, and us yielding to your will and yielding to your power, Lord. We thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. Bless these next few moments that we have, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You look at, like I said here, we start out, we're looking at the, these verses here, and the life of knowing God, it starts with salvation. Knowing that we are saved with salvation that was provided by God to us. Knowing that we get a specific access to God. We get a specific access to him. That we get to know him. That we get to have his power and that he gives it to us. And as this question is being asked, we see that if God is for us, who can be against us? And as I looked at my life and I look back at my life in my teen years, I... I'd, I'd, uh, originally, this was geared for the teens, but I know there, there's something in this for, for everyone here. And as I look back at my life as a teenager, and I grew up in a Christian home, I knew God was there, I knew God was working, uh, but there were some things I had to overcome. There's some things in my life that I knew that weren't right. I eventually, I got saved when I was 16 years old. From that point on, God decided to move uh, very mightily in my life, and knowing that he directed my life in a certain direction, he directed my life eventually towards the mission field, knowing that no matter who was against me, knowing that ultimately there was a God, there was a God there, a God up above watching down my every move that I was making, knowing that he was there specifically for me. I looked around at many different teenagers in my life, and many of them, they started to question. They started to question, was there really a God? They started to question if there was really a Jesus Christ, if there was really a Christ that died. And knowing that the God that promised us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, to know that God is real, to have a, an understanding and a knowledge to know that God is real, that God is for us, God is for every single one of us in this room, knowing that it starts with salvation Knowing that his love, God's love for us, God's love that he showed the world and able to give up his own son. As verse, uh, I believe verse 32 there, it says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered, delivered him up for all. Knowing that it's available to all of us. We all can have this life. We all can have access to God. God's looking down at us at a people he wants to be for us. He wants, he gave us an opportunity to know him. He gave us an opportunity and I looked at my friends, and I looked at my life, and I saw that there was many of them that were walking away. They were walking away from everything that they had been taught, walking away from everything uh, that they have known, parents that were faithfully serving, parents that had taught them right, parents that had sacrificed, and knowing that they decided to doubt God's existence, and they started to doubt God working in their life, and they got their focus away they let something slip in there. They let something get in their life and get them away from this realization that God is really there. God is truly, God is truly there. And we are thankful. 
We can be thankful that there's a God that watches over us. As Brother Leto had said on a Sunday morning, that God lift up. David was in a time of despair, and God lifted his heads up. He lifted his eyes up, and he says, and as Paul continues here, we're going to look at verse number 35. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. A few other verses that I looked at talking about God is for us, God is for you. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of righteousness. If you look over at Psalms chapter 37, verse number 1 through 5, I'm just going to turn to these really fast. Psalms 37, verse 1 through 5, he says, Fret not thyself because of the evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also, Lord, and he shall give thee desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto him, unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. If you jump down to verse 23, it says, The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he shall delight, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And you see the power that God has. As he looks down at us, he strengthens us. He gives us the power that we need every single day in our life to be able to live as a Christian, to live, uh, to live in that victory, to live, to live with a life that we can overcome no matter what is against us. And as he gives us those things back in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, that there's nothing, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that God is for every single one of us. If we are saved, if we believe in God, that God is for us. God is for us in everything that we do. You look at Psalms chapter 14, verse 1. I'll just read it really quickly. It says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I looked at, like I said, I looked at my friends, and I looked at people that through the last couple of years have walked away from God. People I went to Bible college with and now call themselves atheists, they don't believe that there's even a God. They believe that there's no existence. And to realize that God, somehow, we could still, we could still find in our life that God, we have to realize, God, that the God is for us every single day of our life, that we wouldn't get, Lord willing, we wouldn't get to that point that we walk away from God, that we walk away from the, his goodness and his mercy and his grace in our lives, and we don't get to that point that says that there is no God, knowing that it's very hard to ignore the fact that there is a God. There's a God that works very mightily. We've seen it through the last couple months here and through this last year, and we've been blessed by hearing reports as we've been away for a year. We, we get the reports every single week of what God is doing here, knowing that God is alive. God God has given us the fact that he is alive, he's always here, and that he can do something no matter what is against us, no matter what comes against us. As verse 35 talks about those tribulations or the distresses, and I started to think just about it just a few 
different things that God is for us. There's some areas in our life that God is for us. I'm going to quickly go through those tonight. We looked at those tribulations, those trials, and different stories, and I started to compare, or to pair them up with different things. I was different stories I was finding in the Bible. But number one tonight, God is for you in the impossible. God is for you in the impossible. We look at tribulations, distresses, persecutions, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword. Many times, those feel like impossible situations. They feel like impossible uh, outcomes. There's no solution for it. We don't have a way to get through it. But knowing that there is a God that is for us and God that is watching over us. And there were some different stories, different examples I found where God was for these people. Number one, under the impossible, when there is family, God is for us in the impossible when family is against you. If you look at the story of Joseph very quickly, I'm going to turn to these examples. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. When family is against you. Now Joseph, Joseph was used by God in a very specific way. The dreams that he was being given and eventually the path that God had led him to. But it would not have come without this moment right here. Genesis chapter 37, verse 23. Genesis 37, verse 23. It says, And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it, and they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camps, bearing a spicery, balm, and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in flesh, and his brethren were content. And you know the people came along, and, the, and the eventually his brother sold him off to slavery to go into Egypt. And that moment would not have come, and Joseph would never have gone, gone into jail. He would never have gone into the places he was been unless it came into this moment. And Joseph probably thought his life was at the lowest part. His family, his brothers were against him. His closest people that were around him, we talk about a family, and this was his direct family, his family that was around him, they were against him. And he probably thought that there was no, there was no person out there, there was no way out of the situation, and it was a complete impossible situation. But he knew as long as he trusted in God, there's a reason why God gave him those dreams. There's a reason why God had given him uh, the purpose that he had, and it was to get through those, that situation, an imp impossible situation when family was against him. If you look at a second, uh, a second example is David. You look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28, Joseph's family was against him. We see here now David, one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, David fighting Goliath, and Israel was looking for somebody to go out and to fight this giant. And David, David, with uh, though, he was, uh, though he was younger, he was still willing to go and fight. But you see here, you see the opposition from his brother, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28, it says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger 
was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left uh, those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art not come down, uh, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another, and he spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again uh, after, uh, the form, after the former manner. You see here, his oldest brother was doubting him. His oldest brother was doubting that God could use this, this younger man, this, this younger brother, to go and fight this giant. It was an impossible situation, an impossible battle that David was facing. But he was willing to go and to go and fight it. All he needed was God. He didn't care if his family was against him. He didn't care if his family uh, was, was pressuring him not to go do it, but he knew that there was a God that was for him that was going to give him the power. He says that there is there not a cause. David saw that there was, there was a chance to step up and a chance and go and serve the Almighty God, and he knew he had a chance to go and do it, and his family was against him. And we've seen it many times, uh, can show you a different, or can tell you about different examples we've seen in the Philippines, that there's young people that were sold out for God, but they were cast out. They were cast out away from their family uh, because of whether religious or whether their parents didn't care. Uh, their family gave up on them, but these young people, they still served. They still showed up at church every day. They still went out soul winning. They still wanted to serve God, all because of a love that they knew that God had for them and the love that they wanted to show their God. And no matter if there was family against them, there was somebody that was out there that was for them. These impossible situations, but knowing that though family was against him, there was still a God that was for them, and there was a God that was going to be able to give them the power to be able to go and serve and do what God had called them to do. So we see when family was when family is against you. Number two, we see when friends are against you. Job chapter 19, verse 21. Job chapter 19, verse 21. These are just different examples, impossible situations, going through trials or going through tribulations, when people are opposing you. Job chapter 19, verse 21. One of Job's friends comes to him, and he eventually, he loses faith in Job. And Job decides to respond to him. In Job chapter 19, verse 21. He says, have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O ye my friends. For the hand of God hath touched me. Why do ye persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my flesh? O oh, that my words were now written, or oh, that were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Verse 25 says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And realize that Job's friends were against him, and his friends lost faith in him. And especially young people, you see, there's going to be friends that are going to walk away from you. There's going to be friends that are going to eventually walk away, but it shouldn't stop you. It shouldn't stop you from knowing that there is a God up above, that is a God that is looking down at your, every single one of your lives, knowing that God can work in your life, and that God may eventually, he may lead you to stay here, he may lead you to go uh, to the opposite side of the world, but knowing that there is a God for you, no matter what friends are for you, no matter what friends are with you, that you have to stay there, you have to stay, and Job says here, he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he will stand at the latter day upon the earth, knowing that God will always stand, God will always stand, no matter what is against us, no matter how impossible that situation 
temptation is when family is against us, with friends are against us, knowing that there's a God up above that is watching down on our life and is able to lead us through and get us through that situation. So we see that God is for us, number one, and the impossible. Number two, that God is for us in the indivisible. If you look back at Romans chapter 39, there's a few words in there that we see here. And we're going to turn to one other chapter, one other passage here in just a second. Talking about God is in, for you in the invisible. Romans chapter 8, verse chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 30, 38 and 39. He says here, for I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any of the creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And you look at those words, the principalities and powers. We're going to turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 real quick. I'm not going to allude on a lot of this because I know Pastor is going through his series here. But I want to point out uh, this point, talking about this invisible, this spiritual battle that we're in every single day of our life, knowing that there's only one person that can help us with that, and that is God, knowing there's God for us no matter what is against us in this, in this invisible battle that we can't face, uh, to know that God is for us. We see here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, it says, and For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against the uh, darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. You see here, first of all, that there's a danger. Verse 12 gives us a danger. There's two battles that we're facing. The first one we know is the, the spiritual battle is Satan, knowing that Satan is about every single part of our lives, trying to destroy us, trying to creep in, trying to give us just a little ear here and there, trying to get us away, trying to eventually, as I, as I talked about, you, he you give them just a little bit of that ear for so long that you get to the point of that fool saying that there is no God. To know that there is a God that is for you. You have to be aware of this danger. You have to be aware of Satan. But you have to, secondly, you have to look about the battle against self. If you look back in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse number 5 and verse number 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 9. Talks about this battle of the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, 5 through 9, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the the that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Knowing that we have to be careful of this battle of ourself, knowing that the self is very easily able to destroy us, to get us out of the way. The things that we fill our mind with, the things that we fill our life with, it will eventually lead us away from God if we're not careful. And God is looking down at us, and you see Paul here as he asks that question, if God is truly for us, if God is for us, who can be against us. Though that there's this danger that Satan is against us, that even ourselves that, that, that is against us. But if you look back, I meant to stay there, back in, uh, back in Ephesians chapter 6, 
Verse 13, it gives us a decision that we have to make, this invisible battle that we're in. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. There's not, there's, that's, not a, that's, that's not really a choice. It's either you take it and you serve God and you take it and you protect yourself or you, you don't take it and you're going to walk away. You're eventually going to lead yourself astray from God. You're going to lead yourself away from what God is trying to do. God, he, here, he is here for you. He's here for every single one of us in our lives, knowing that though these situations may seem impossible, though that this battle is invisible, no, invisible, knowing that God is for us. God is always going to be for us and knowing that we have to make that decision. We have to be intentional. We have to put, to, uh, put ourselves in the position that we're going to protect ourselves. God gives us the ability. He gives us the ability to be able to protect ourselves and what, what he wants to give it, what, what he gives to us to be able to protect ourselves. So we see the impossible. We see the invisible. But lastly, we see he is for us in his intentions. If you look at it very quickly in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 7, Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 7. Many of you may know these verses, they're very familiar. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. God gives us, he wants us, he gives us the instructions the instructions from a father here talking to a son and saying that God, God is for you. Trust in God. If you trust in God, he'll give you and he'll lead you the right way. God wants us to find that will. He has an intention for our life. He has a will for our life. And it's for us to realize that God, if God is for us, that it's for us to find what God truly wants for us. He says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Many times people lose faith in God. They lose faith faith in God is because they don't fear him. They don't fear the God that is truly above us. They don't fear him like he is our father. They don't fear them like he is our true and ultimate authority. It's because they lose faith in God as in they walk away. They want something. They think they can find something else. But knowing that the God that is for us, he gives us the ability to know him and to be able to find him. And he says, be not wise in unknown eyes. Talking about that decision. We talk about that flesh and the spirit and knowing that there's a choice we have to make there. We can't trust ourselves many times. We can't trust ourselves in our mind in those decisions. We have to be spirit-filled. We have to be prayed up. We have to be uh, finding this intentional uh, to finding what God wants in our life. If you look over in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 12. No, I'm turning quickly, but I'm trying to get to this end point here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them for a shame, even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. 
When all things that are reproved are made manifest by light, for whatsoever doth made man, make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See them that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, proving of us finding what God truly wants for our life, a God that is for us, a God that is looking down at our life, of us wanting to find this will, of us wanting to find what God truly has for us, and knowing that we have to put ourselves in line with that, and understanding uh, if we follow what God gives us, we have to eat, we, many, many times we make this complicated, that God gives us a guidebook for a specific reason for us to follow and to find what his will is for our life, and we try to complicate it, and we heard one of the greatest messages um, from Brother Williamson about the will of God, and we see that many times we complicate our lives, but God gives us these specific instructions, knowing that God is for us. He wants to find, we should, we should get ourselves back to what God wants us uh, to find for his will for our life. But lastly, we have to realize his will. As we look at God's intentions, there's something that we have to get rid of. God is for us. And many times that, that flesh that, that creeps into our life, Satan uh, throws things in our life. Many times this world is a major distraction in our life, and we have to get rid of the world. If you look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We get rid of the world. We get rid of those things that are going to distract what God is really here for us. Many times, like I said, I've seen my friends. I've seen, uh, I've seen uh, people in my life that they've allowed things in their life. And, and soon enough, they start to drift away. And they get away from a point that God, uh, they, they lose sight of God. They lose that there's actually or truly, there's a God that is for us. in every single step of our life and the impossible and the invisible and his intentions for our life, God God is there for us. Uh, the youth choir just saying that it reminded me of this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. And I'm thankful to say that I get to stand here by the grace of God. I get to preach by the grace of God. I get to be here because I know there was a God that was for me. Though I made mistakes many times, I'm thankful for his mercy. And I'm thankful for his grace. And that we can't quit on God. If there's anything in this world that could stop, uh, that could stop us from getting from God, there, there's a reason why there's not. There's, there's, Paul says that there's nothing. There's nothing that should be able to separate us from the love of God. That can't take away that, that, that relationship. Once we become a saved, once we, be, we become a believer, knowing that there's nothing that can take that away from God. God is here for us. He wants us to realize no matter the situation that's impossible, the trials and the tribulations, that God is for us. He's going to be right there next to us, lifting us up, lifting us, dragging us up, and, and, and keeps us going. He's there in that battle, that spiritual battle that we're in. And, and lastly, in those intentions, uh, 
in us finding, finding his will. If you look back in Romans chapter, 37, Romans chapter 8, we see here, as we close this out, he says here in verse 37, he says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. He says, we are conquerors. We are conquerors. We can get through this. We can go through this. God is for us. There's nothing that can be able to separate us from the love of God. God says we can be conquerors. It's, it's right there. It's written. It's settled that we can get through this. The Bible says that we can be an overcomer. It says, ye are of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. First John 5, 4 says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And that is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And we see by the testimony of Paul what he lived by and him being able to write this uh, by the moving of God, seeing that nothing was able to separate him. Once Paul became that believer, he never looked back. He never looked back at his past. He never looked back at where he came from. He continued on and continued by faith, knowing that there was a God for him. There was a God for him in every single step of his life. He was there in the impossible, in the impossible situation. He was there in that spiritual battle. He was there trying to find his will and knowing that God is for us every single step of our life. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, God is there. God is there for you. God will always be there for us. And many times, many times, many times there's a, we, many blame I had this quote written down real quick, and I'll be finished. It says, many blame God uh, for not giving them a second chance, but many times it's them not giving God the second chance. He's always been there and always will be. You may think you're at your lowest point. You may think that there's nothing left for you. You don't think that God is there for you. But many times it's us that God that has to give God that second chance. There's a God waiting for you. There's a God that's there for you. And it's for us to realize that we can't forget God. Uh, now Hosea it reminds me of a verse in Hosea. Uh, I can't remember the, the verse and chapter, but it says that Israel hath forgotten his maker. There was a point in their lives that they forgot who God, who God was. They forgot who God was and who he was to them. All the miracles, all the promises, all the covenants that he made, it says that they had forgot him. And knowing that there was a God for us, and we can't ever forget him. It says we are more than conquerors. We have the ability to overcome no matter the impossible situations, no matter this invisible fight, no matter where God's will takes us, knowing that God is for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, knowing that you are truly there. Lord, you're there for us, no matter what situation we go through. Lord, of us as believers, or we get this chance, we have the access, or we get the power, Lord, from you. Lord, help us never to find ourselves, Lord, in this life, Lord, questioning why. Lord, but to know that no matter the situation, Lord, you're there for us in the impossible. You're there for us in the invisible. Lord, you're there for your intentions or for us to find your will, Lord, where you want us in your life. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, help us never to forget you, never to forget that moment, Lord, when we're at our weakest moments. Lord, you're always there for us. You'll always be there for us. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand our feet all over the building. The altars are open. Folks are already coming. Folks are already here. There's room for more. While the pianist is playing, with heads bowed, eyes closed, there may be somebody here this evening.
devil's convinced you that you're outnumbered. I'll tell you something, when you've got God on your side, you make the majority. When you're with God, and God's with you, and God's for you, that's the majority. There may be somebody here tonight that needs to get in this altar and give God a second chance. Let God be real. Let God help you. Let God carry you. Let God give you the strength to do what you need to do. Live the life that He's wanting you to live. There may be somebody here tonight that's never been saved. There may be somebody here tonight that's never been born again. You're not sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. We've got people standing by with a Bible that would be honored to take a few minutes from the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Would there be anybody here this evening to say, Pastor Shifflin, I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up where I can see it and you can put it right back down. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody anywhere with heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just slip your hand where I can see it? Put a hand right back down. We would love to help you. We would love to help you. What an honor it would be. There may be somebody here tonight been overwhelmed with whatever's going on in your life. You needed this message. Would you slip your hand up and say, I thank God for this message. I needed to be reminded tonight that God's for me. Hands are going up all over the building. Praise the Lord. Folks are praying. Folks are praying. The devil's a, he's a liar. He'll tell you God's forgotten you, God's abandoned you. God don't care. Oh, he's a liar. If God be for you, who can be against you? Family, friends, even the principalities and powers of the air cannot touch the child of God, but God is for you. What a tremendous reminder tonight.